Hello and welcome to episode 30 of Saddlecast for the season. Um, it's myself, Ollie, Glyn, and we've got a guest this week, Glyn. We have. We've got him on for his first solo appearance of the season. My brother, Mike Price, is back on. Obviously, he joined me earlier in the season when you were off on holiday, Ollie, if you remember, when uh, we covered for two episodes for you. So, yeah, nice to have you back for a bit of a solo episode, Mike. Yeah, it's sort of nice to be back. <laughs> the, what we're going to talk about isn't as nice as, as coming back. No, and obviously Ollie, you know, as I've said before on the podcast, me and Mike sit next to each other at the match, so we kind of, you know, have took it apart already on on the way home yesterday as we were walking back. But um, yeah, I think another twenty four hours to digest that result really is is going to make it a bit more of an interesting listen. So again, Ollie, you missed the game on Saturday, didn't you? Which was uh, another good one to miss. Yeah, I'm, I'm away um, in Dartmouth um, for the week, so. Yeah, missed, unfortunately, <laughs> inverted commas, um, missed the Burton <laughs> game. Uh, I did listen um, to, obviously, Stuart Dunn's excellent commentary. Um, but, yes, um, it sounds like I missed another one. And, and, yeah, as your brother described, it feels like the season feels a bit like Groundhog Day. Yes, yeah, it is, seems to be the pattern repeating itself. Even the same sort of things we were talking about right at the start of the season under Askey, we're now still talking about now under a different manager with different players. And it's, it's, it is hugely frustrating, isn't it, really? But, um, yeah, yeah I, I guess there's not much more else to say. Then we'll, we'll sort of bounce straight into the Shrewsbury Town versus Burton match action. Number four was the end for Hereford. David Walton got it. And it was good night to those Wembley Jones. Cool. So um, Shrewsbury won, Burton won was the final score. The stats are not looking good for um, <laughs> Mr. Ricketts. Nope. Um, one win in 12 games is pretty horrific. Oh. Um, and he hasn't won um, since the 22nd of December against Coventry, which was a pretty dull affair. So to match Askey's record, he needs to get nine points for the next five games. So yeah, it's it's a tall order. Oh, I just don't see a win coming <laughs> yeah. at the moment. It's quite hard work, and there was thirty nine fouls in this game. So yeah, it sounded like it was a bit of a battle again. Um, so team selection, um, we started with um, well, you could say three at the back, but I think it's probably said that we played five at the back. I agree. Um, so we had Arnold in goal, Bolton, Beckles, Waterfall, Williams, Goldburn. Um, Grant and Norburn sitting so not only have we got five defenders we've got two defence midfielders um, mm-hmm. and then we've got three lads up front trying to do everything else um, so Wally, Gilead and Campbell um, there was four midfielders out injured for this game or suspended um, so it was funny enough we always thought you know, we were very well kind of supplemented in terms of numbers for central midfielders so it was a bit of a surprise but yeah Mike what would you, what was your thoughts when you saw the team selection at 2pm? Uh, I mean the, the- when we, me and Glyn were walking up together, we, we pulled the team up on our mobiles. Um, first of all, I could not believe that Waterfall was back in the team. I thought <laughs> we'd banished him to the stands uh, after the Bristol game. And just to see him back in for Sadler, who, you know, any any day of the week I'd pick Sadler over Waterfall. I, th- I think he's a much more composed presence and a better communicator. So that was the first thing that surprised me. And the second surprise was we dropped our top goal scorer for... A guy that hadn't until Saturday scored a, a, a goal in professional football mm. um, in the league. So those are the two standout ones for me. The other one is we seem to be playing quite defensively, like you said. Um, I was hoping that Wally and Gilead would uh, provide us a bit of width, but ultimately, I think the midfield was was one of the only midfields we could put together. Um, 
So I wasn't enthusiastic, let's say that. And and the funny thing for me, Ollie, was that we talked last week on the podcast about my positive from the Bristol Rovers game. You know, we, we stood with each other and we thought we finally maybe had a little bit of an answer to the defensive problems that we'd been having. Obviously only conceded one goal at Bristol Rovers and, and looked generally solid throughout that game. Obviously we had problems elsewhere. And and as soon as we, we seem to be getting somewhere, we've, we've obviously dropped Sadler and put Waterfall back in. And no no indication there was any injury or tiredness to Sadler. The, the post-match seemed to indicate it was a, a like-for-like swap, really, and that was that. Yeah, I was surprised by that. I thought you might say that Sadler was dropped... Um, not dropped, but you know, in terms of rested. Um, but yeah, it was funny because obviously the back three at Bristol Rovers, I thought, did a pretty good job. And yeah. I think one of the things I think is puzzling fans, um, you know, and fans, you know, obviously have their views, and you know, we're not UEFA badged, kind of, you know, qualified and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a it's a basic, isn't it, of getting a team, and you know, even when you play Sunday League football. Um, you know, the more games you play together, the better understanding you get. So it's quite strange that he did drop the back three, considering you know the goal that we conceded um, away at Bristol Rovers wasn't really the central defender's fault. No. Um, so I, yeah, I, I was a bit of an odd one, and yeah, I can understand that we didn't play um, obviously four at the back and more midfielders because we didn't have any. But yeah, it's um, it's disappointing, and yeah, like like Glenn mentions in the post match, um, Ricketts' justification for bringing Waterfall appeared to be based on his threat. Attacking threat from set pieces. Yeah. Whereas we had five strikers on the bench. If he's worried about scoring goals, <laughs> play some of the strikers. We can't be picking defenders on the strength of them scoring goals. Surely their job is to keep the ball out of the net. And Waterfall this season has proved that he's not very good at that. So it's some quite muddled thinking, I thought. And for me, Ollie, I'm going to say this up front as well. When you look at that team selection and who actually played, you know, we talk about there not being enough midfielders, da 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 da. You know, for once, four four two might have been a better option to go in this game because you had two wingers on the pitch. So Gilead and Wally would have played in their more natural position. You could have played Grant and Norburn in the same position, and you could have just dropped one of the centre backs. Looking at that, I wouldn't have played Waterfall. Play play Campbell up front with Faye. You know, every fan that was there on Saturday was dreaming and and, and really wanted us to go for the win. Mm-hmm. You know, pressure's been on all these weeks. Burton are a decent team, but certainly shouldn't be beyond us beating them. And the whole thing, Ollie, from the very start of the game, which we'll get to in a minute, was very negative and just seemed very defensive. And and that's what yeah. got got people's backs up pretty much straight away. But um, I think I guess the only thing I'd add to that is Burton do play with one striker, so obviously maybe yeah. it would have been over yeah. over a run playing a quite a basic. Um, Possibly. Old school 4-4-2. But um, I understand your point. I, that's, I'd ask then Ollie why you need to play three centre-backs against one striker, to be honest with you, but there we go. Yeah, no, I can st- especially when you're playing two defensive um, full-backs, because let's be honest, neither of these players are wing-backs, are they? Um, I think we'll come on to Goldborn uh, when it's the game. <laughs> BBC Shropshire were not overly complimentary about him. Um, so so you guys walked up to the um, up to the ground and, and did you try anything new this week? Yeah, so last uh, Luton we went to the Smithies Bar, you yeah. know, the new supporters bar, and we, we got in there and had a, pint, well, a couple of pints before the start of the game and wasn't too busy, still took a long time to get served, but um, it sort of changed over to the Shrewsbury Town uh, running the bar now, so rather than it being the sort of parallel people. And they made some improvements, I think, from, from what I heard. There was more woods on offer, but it sold out straight away. And, and to be honest with you, we went in there at quarter past two, tried to get a drink for 25 minutes, could not get served, um, and was not apparently gone down well with a lot of people that were there. There was a lot of Burton fans in there as well, which obviously added to the queue. Um, so it's nice that we're inviting fans in there, but not if our home fans who go every week can't get served. So there's a little bit of something there that needs to be worked up. Um, also, the prices have gone up as well, which seemed to chiff a few people off as well. So I think, you know, I still want to support it and I still want to go there and, and get a drink and sit and watch the football and have an enjoyable experience. But, you know, I think that the club have received obviously a, a fair bit of negative feedback about what happened on Saturday. And, mm. you know, hopefully they, they look at maybe putting a bottle bar where the reception is or pre serving drinks because it was just taking way too long, mate. Yeah, the two lads that we went with that didn't go when we went to the Luton game 
uh, they've said they won't go back now because yeah, it was shame. too busy. Yeah. And so that sort of first, you know, um, first impressions count. That they're just not interested now. They'll go back to the pub they were going to pre-match up Bellevue Road. Well, yeah, they went for a drink in the concourse in the end, and we got oh. served straight away a couple of bottles, which is not ideal and not the nicest thing to do. But if, if you want to drink before the match, then you would like to do it in a nice environment. So I think you know, there's not much more to say on that, Ollie. Really, other than hopefully they'll they'll take the message on board. But to be fair, the other good thing about it was the introduction of a burger van at the back of the West Stand, so you could get some food on the way in. And also, we'll talk about that at half time. But I had a nice bit of burger, cheese, cheese bacon cheeseburger, skin on fries, ideal. You know, decent chips and a bottle of Pope, uh, Coke, I think it was, for nine quid. So to be honest with you, that's not bad for football food, and it was much better quality than the stuff you're getting in the ground so for me pre-match negative at the bar but the food seems to have improved so yeah a bit, bit halfway house really so there you go that's a feedback on that ollie yep thanks for that Glenn. really appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> i know you, uh, uh, people love to talk about the food and chips at our ground yeah, at the end of the day this podcast is about being a fan we can analyze football to the carries come home but we're fans at the end of the day we don't know about the technicalities of every single bout of football one thing i do know everything about ollie is chips. So I feel I feel much more authoritarian when discussing pre-match food or, or mid-play food. But anyway, there we go. I'm sure people that haven't made the game would want to know what changes there have been. But um, I think we've got to try and stick with Smithies and hopefully it improves. But um, So yeah, we did get a drink in the end and I think that did help to soothe the pain of this game, Mike, didn't it? No. <laughs> I would have needed about eight drinks to get over this game. But yeah, no, it, was, it was like the, the noticeable thing was because Smithies are slightly more popular, the concourse is slightly quieter. So, yeah, you know, it's, that was a good thing. It's sort of, you, if, you, if you're busy in one place, it's going to be quieter than the other. So you're always going to be able to get a drink. It's not like you can't get something somewhere. Mm. Um, so, you know. I think let's be fair though, if we carry on playing as we are, the concourses will be quite empty as well. And probably yeah. the stands. Yeah. And everyone will be alcoholic as well, so <laughs> there'll be that as well. You know, it's so bad that we just keep drinking through the pain. But there we go. But anyway, you know, within within the start of the game, Ollie, it, it, we seemed like things might be going the right way because before we sort of had a chance to settle down, really, um, we were one 0 up, and it, it was a really good goal as well. So um, yeah, the ball was sort of at the back, and and the new the new centre back Williams sort of punted it long, looking for Wally. Um, Wally tried to clip it or sort of flick it on. I'm not sure he got a touch on it. So I think yeah, Will- I think he did. From watching did the extended highlights, okay. he did. There yeah. we go. I think I thought on the day I thought well, he got an assist, Williams. But yeah, well, there you go. Wally got an assist then, um, and it sort of just ran through. And Campbell used his pace, got one on one, and he had a lot of time to to think about what he was going to do. Steadied himself, and you just had a feeling he was going to score. You know, mm. he just sort of casually put it home. Great composure and a good finish. And and to be honest with you, we were already sort of starting to think. I said to to Mike at the time, I thought, oh, we might get like a Kai Kai revelation of a lone player coming in and saving the season. And, and that was the start we needed, wasn't it, Mike? Yeah, it was. It was a cracking start. I mean, he. He slotted it brilliantly, really composed on the ball. Really, um, he looked like a, a, a you know a loney from the championship. He looked a better quality. He did, yeah. And what was noticeable is, as soon as that ball was away, he he got away from the centre half so quickly because he's so fast and he has so much time to deal with the ball. We thought that's it. That's how we're going to beat Burton. Sliding them, uh, you know, slide rule ball straight through, you know, cut the centre halves, and he can just he can run onto them all day and he'll score he'll score two or three today like that was the way to beat Burton and that was the last time we saw it in the ninety minutes <laughs> he became unbelievably isolated Ollie for the rest yeah. of the game that was almost the entirety of his contribution to the game sadly but um, yeah it was a good finish though you've seen it back as well you know he has got the quality hasn't he and, and you know it's decent signing yeah we've seen him score quite a few goals obviously it's quite a few against us so far when he was in the <laughs> FA Cup for Stoke and yeah he's got good pedigree and yeah it was a really really tidy finish and let's be honest we've seen enough players in the last few years be in that situation and fluff their lines oh yeah um, definitely. so yeah great to see and yeah, it gives us some hope and I think it's the hope that kills us this season it is and what are the what are all the hallmarks of a team that gets relegated Ollie conceding goals straight after you've scored a goal that's you know that's a standard uh, thing you see poor teams doing isn't it and the way we did it and the way we conceded was was laughable to be honest with mm. you for me you know 
we just we just just sort of took a one like step back and they kind of came at us and basically waterfall got dragged out of position in the build up to it and he was sort of chasing back in um they played a little bit of a nice combination before they floated the ball back in um beckles fell over a burton player and this burton player brushed his arm gently against luke waterfall which resulted in waterfall wanting to do a swan dive instead of thinking maybe i'll try and head the ball away um and it went to the shortest player on the pitch who headed home and it, it was comical and, and it was comical and poor and also you, you missed one just a little bit just sorry just to yeah, yeah, point out. also bolton was really poor he didn't try to close down the man with no. the ball at all yeah. um as a as a defensive unit it was shambolic and imagine you were furious mike uh, yeah <laughs> sick i mean the, on the at the time watching it seeing waterfall fall over it was like what's he doing how has he managed to get himself falling over there i've watched uh, before coming over here today i've watched the the, the replay uh, on the highlights and what you don't notice on the day is that both norban and grant mm. go chasing the ball ball watching both of their midfielders run through which means that beckles doesn't know who to pick up waterfall doesn't manage to pick up beckles runs across runs into one of the one of the burton players he falls over hits waterfall not very hard but it's it's from a lack of tracking from the midfield yeah. that we've ended up in so much trouble because they at that point they're always going to lose a man because they've got too many to go up against so i think it's lazy play by the midfielders and it's and it's there's a lack of communication between the center halves it's just shambolic yeah it's, yeah uh, mike's right there one of the things i've noticed actually is people starting to start questioning grant mm. which is unbelievable considering how good he was for us most of the rest of this season but people are starting to say well it looks like the legs have gone out of him he's starting to look tired in games and he's not quite at the same level he was during the sort of run he had at the start of the season where he looked like our best player he's got a lot to do he's getting let down by the people he's playing with um, and he's got a lot of ground to cover and a lot of tackles to make he's isolated completely yeah Yeah. but then at the same time he doesn't I don't know he's really good on the ball um, and he obviously he does a lot of work for us but he doesn't he doesn't cover he doesn't always make that many challenges. Like think yeah. of a game the last few weeks where he's made an amazing challenge to stop a counter attack, which is part of his role. So yeah, yeah, I think I think he gets a lot of plaudits and he's a bit of a fan's favourite. I, I wouldn't, I haven't said it on the podcast so far um, until now, but I don't know. It's for me, he's not an amazing defence midfielder. He doesn't win enough tackles. He's very, very, very deep on Saturday, Oli. Like deeper than I've seen in recent weeks. And I, and I get the feeling that the worse this league form gets, and the more wary we are about losing, that that, that negativity seeping into all the players. They, they they really, really struggle to get out through the whole mm. game, Oli. And, and Grant and Norburn were a really good example of that. I wouldn't have said Norburn played any further forward than Grant. They seemed to just be sort of a two in front of a, of a five, and it was just like, just let the handbrake off. You know, let's let's go for it. Just yeah. it didn't happen. My, I mean, I've noticed a lot of people have been saying about Grant is how brilliant he is at winning his free kicks. You'll get the ball and he'll, he'll draw a foul and he'll win a free kick but I noticed on Saturday that what that does is it breaks up any attempt for us to, to hit on a fast counter or mm. to string two or three passes together because as soon as it comes into him he's drawing a foul and he goes over and everything stops and then the which is fine to if you win 2-0 or 1-0 yeah. and you're <laughs> trying to pull chasing, the game out but yeah, yeah when exactly. we're chasing the game it totally slows us down um, but I have some sympathy for Grant and Norman yeah, on do. Saturday yeah. because they spend. They don't ever get the ball passed to them. They've got to go and win it before they can do anything. Because we spend ninety minutes pumping it over their heads to yep. to the striker. So yep. they're, they're on a hide into nothing anyway. I think sometimes. Yeah, and the, the style of football, Ollie, we'll cover this off at the start. Was you know consistently quite direct. In all mm. honesty, we we were pumping it forward to Campbell and hoping he could do a bit of magic. You know, the midfield was getting bypassed, as Mike said. We were hoping for Gilead and, you know, the tactic to me looked, pump it up long, hope the second ball's won by Gilead and Wally, and then try and break with those three. Mm. 
And it never works. The centre-back for Burton, Ollie, was exceptional. Number three, um, I think his name was Nixon. I'll talk about it later on in the, in the agenda. But he won every header. He must have won, like, 50 headers in the game. It was ridiculous. And mm. no one no one could beat him in the air. He wasn't even that tall of a, of a defender. Yep. And we were just doing it time after time. And you could just see fans just going more and more annoyed with it as it was, it was going on. Um, and, and, and so I'll come back to a bit of that as the game goes on. But anyway, after we went 1-1, the life came out of the crowd, I thought, a little bit. Yeah. And... I can't say the atmosphere was all that good on Saturday, Ollie. You know, I think 18 and, and Say Standing tried to get it going, but I think that's the least amount of chanting we've had coming as, as far as Box 17 probably all season. Yeah. So the crowd really were quite placid and apathetic, I think. Um, but and we, can I ask we a had... question on that? Go on, yeah. Just about the fans, because often I've seen online a lot of fans viewing the criticism and debate online as if the fans are being negative towards the team. And I think it's, I think it's worth, for me personally, I think it's a, it's a big difference between having a debate and being frustrated with your team online. Yeah, I agree. But then in the match day, like the, the way, way fans at way at Bristol Rovers, I thought were fantastic. And I don't yeah. think anyone was really whinging that much. Nope. Um, people were really positive. And were the fans... Were the fans negative or just a bit more muted or were they positive? Like There was only a couple of times when there was a bit of booing, which will come through as we go for the first off, but they didn't get booed up half time. They didn't really get booed off at the end. It no. was it was quite it wasn't positive. It was I think I'd say I your word I used a minute ago was apathetic. Yeah. I think people are quite apathetic towards this team. It's hard to be overly angry and, and, and overly um happy about them. There's nothing to be happy about with this team really. But also people are just very much starting to feel like the inevitable is gonna happen and they're adjusting their expectations accordingly. That's what I feel. I haven't read some people's comments online as well over the last few days. It's like I get the feeling we're going to get relegated, so it's it's just it's just coming, and you know everyone tries to get behind them when they're attacking and cheer and shout, yeah. and when we've got free kicks, we're getting getting involved. But then there's just always that big uh when someone hits it in the wall or Wally's headers gets cleared, and I don't know, it, it's difficult. I think people are apathetic at the moment, not in a I don't care about my football club, just I don't know, find it really hard to engage with these players. I don't. Know, do you think that's fair, Mike? Yeah, I can't. I, I guess it's um, we we suffer from. The come down from last season as well. We so yeah. loved that team last season that anything less than that, and it, you just sort of, I can't get too angry with this team because they are what they are. They're <laughs> poor footballers playing poor football. Mm. It's not like they're underperforming. Like I think they are underperforming. No, I think they're I... underperforming. I think that throughout the course of the season, I think the players have underperformed um, and have not put a good enough shift in. Um, I don't think the managers have helped. I think everything has been quite poor. About, but I don't think, I don't think the team is as bad as our league position suggests. And when you see the stats and stuff in terms of like our chance creations, the number of chances we give away, isn't it, you know, we should be higher in the league, but it just seems to be lack of confidence. And for me, this for me, it's all in the head at the moment with this team. Um, there's something but very mentally fragile. You, you can say that. And I also, I fall, I fall somewhere between probably you and Mike in that I think there's some talented players there. I also think there's some players that shouldn't really be playing for us week in, week out. And you look at the team on Saturday, Ollie, the talented players you can pick out, Campbell, Wally, Grant, I personally think Beckles and Williams might be good players. Arnold, Bolton, Goldborn, Waterfall, possibly Norburn and, and Gilead, for me, are players that are probably not very good standard for League One. In all honesty, I've watched these players in a lot of games now and they've let us down a lot of times. Possibly not Bolton, that's maybe a little bit unfair and I'd like to have a rethink about that. But certainly there are players in every team we put out this season who are not good League One standard. And, 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 but and those... is there not something about a, a team... A team should grow, shouldn't it? You go through the season. Yeah. The team should get better and there should be better organisation. There should be more consistency. There should be organisation. But we don't haven't had that, have we? We've had chop and change consistently. We've played so many different formations this season. Again, we had lots of changes again in this week. And I don't know. I, don't, I think while 
I can understand what you're saying because you're you're saying what you see and you're kind of reflecting on that. Mm. But I don't think the players are all some ways being helped because everything keeps changing all the time. We've had <laughs> ten players, twenty players change in January, and then again we had another number of changes on Saturday. It's part of their job though to deal with changes and managers and and tactical changes and playing in different positions. You know, you, there are some players that I think could have done that better. In all honesty, but it, it's an interesting argument. I'm just saying it's, it's lo- so many things, isn't it? I think that's the thing. That's the summary. Yeah. Of, the summary of this discussion. There's just so many factors, but I don't think the managers helped. Well, let's say the managers won one game in twelve, so something's not going right. No, um, and I think it's fair as well for someone or any fan to say I think some of these players are just not good enough to play for this football club. There's there's also both sides of that story, and I think yeah. that at the end of the season. It's probably going to be the judgment point, isn't it? And, and if we've ended up being relegated or we, we stay up, that'll probably temper that discussion one way or the other. But we're, pro- yeah. we're getting a bit sidetracked from the game. But it, it, it is interesting. I, I kind of see both sides of it, and I, but I don't. I, I still don't agree with the they're a very talented bunch and they shouldn't be in this position because I think some of them aren't. But there we go. Um, but anyway, going back to the game, we obviously conceded. Our heads dropped as usual. Yep. Uh, Burton completely took charge of the rest of the first half. We just kept hitting it long. Um, and I, I, I think this this is a thing we've talked about a few times before, Ollie, but I'll, I'll ask Mike is when. Whenever we concede, our attitude is useless at the moment, isn't it? I what cannot, do you put that down to? I cannot believe that we've got a full-time mental performance coach <laughs> on, the, on the staff at this football club because it's one of the most mentally fragile teams I've ever seen. Whenever, we, whenever we're playing, there is almost zero communication on the pitch. Mm. Nobody's talking to anybody. Nobody's telling somebody to come here. Or the communication that does happen is totally dysfunctional. So on Saturday, for example, at one point, Waterfall was trying to call a line for, for a Burton free kick. So he was trying to get everybody in line with him to do an offside track. So he was calling a line, and Williams and Beckles were about two or three paces behind him calling their own line. <laughs> and it's, it's comic, comical stuff like that, where they're just totally not synced up. So when we're, when we're trying to communicate, it doesn't work. When, when something goes wrong... Almost everybody on the pitch has got an opinion, and they're all telling everybody else what's gone wrong. It's like eleven Ian Blacks out there. <laughs> oh no! All telling each other off, all saying what what they've done wrong. Lots of shrugging of shoulders, lots lots of harm, arms, you know, palms in the sky, and it can only come from the manager. There's no, there seems to be no plan. There seems to be no direction. No one pitch leader. I, I, I don't Mike's know very frustrated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's it's and that that comes back to more my point before about the lack of consistency in terms of structure, because obviously the players don't seem to understand. But no, it's a, it's a good point, Mike. Yeah, okay. I mean, this this could go on for the for the rest of this match as well. But I'll I'll wrap up the rest of the first half because there really wasn't very much any positives for Shrewsbury. Really, um, I think it was. Uh, there was a point where there was audible booing for Waterfall. He mm-hmm. missed a header, just a simple header. It bounced over him, and Boyce got in. Luckily, Arnold sort of rushed out and saved it. And it was, I thought it was interesting. There was the really audible boos for one specific player. Um, so that was interesting. Wally had a chance. Um, just another massive punt forward from the goalkeeper. It was a, a flicked on, I think, by Gilead. Um, but he shot low at the keeper who sort of kneed it away, um, which is a bit unfortunate. Bolton had a, a late challenge, got booked. Um, and also, he had a really late challenge in the second half, which he could have been booked for again, um, but didn't, luckily, and, and so didn't get sent off. So he was skating on thin ice. Um, I'm going to come to another player now, Gilead. You know, we were 30 minutes into the game now, and it was clear as day that Gilead could not play the role he'd been given. Mm. Sitting behind, you know, almost like a number 10, but like with two number 10s, really, with Wally as well. Um, And he was struggling hugely 30 minutes into the game. He was doing nothing. You know, he was supposed to be the creative player that would help break down. Every time he got the ball, he looked so nervous that he just turned around and played a pass backwards. There was mm, yeah. absolutely no confidence in him. Um, and he was very poor. And, and he didn't get subbed off to the 78th minute, which we'll come to in the second half. But, you know, that was something that was very clear to fans on the day. And, and it was frustrating that, you know, Ricketts couldn't seem to get to grips with it, Mike. Yeah, uh, again, it's, it's square pegs in round holes. I mean, Gilead, he's clearly struggling with his confidence. But 
he was struggling so much on Saturday. I was I was desperate for him to just take himself wide. If he's a winger, you know, and he's not comfortable inside, just drag yourself out wide, give Goldborn an option up the line, and try and get some joy up the line, try and get across him. But he just he let the game completely pass him by. Oh god, yeah. He's never going to put his foot in and tackle and win the ball. But he was never offering for a short five yard pass. He was never looking for a switch. I can't really quantify what he produced on Saturday <laughs> in terms of the, a part of the team performance. Yeah, he, d- he didn't do anything. And like for him to last long, so long in the game is... It was frustrating. Yeah. It was frustrating. Um, and I say, that was probably 30 minutes when we started to notice how bad he'd been, really. But after that, Burton, I say, were in control. They had a, a chance of a corner where Arnold just fell over in the goal. No one, was, <laughs> no one was anywhere near him. He fell over and the guy missed a sitter at the back post and it went back to the corner. Uh, Taker, who then came in, had a shot and hit the side netting. So we had two really close chances to concede in there. Um, also noticeable in the first half was Goldborn, who had an absolute mare as well. He got beaten time after time. Um, you know whether he's fit or not is 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 a debatable question, but he's clearly got absolutely no pace, and he offers almost next to nothing going forward. His distribution forward might was terrible, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was aimless punts. He was. It didn't seem like he was aiming for anybody at some point. It felt like he was struggling so badly, and he has he's had such a small amount of football that he just thought, "I will do the most basic thing I can and kick the ball away from my goal." <laughs> That's where I'll that was start. Some questions I was going to ask you guys about how how did. How how did we fare with having two fullbacks playing at wing back with Bolton and Bolton's a, a good solid defensive fullback but he's no yes. um, he's he's no attacking fullback um, and Goldburn the same and how how did that work with those two being you know not really that offensively minded how did Terribly. that impact the play we basically played a flat five yeah we did and they they barely got across the halfway line um, which meant that. When they when they were when when they got the ball towards halfway line, we were very deep in the wide areas. There was nothing wide ahead of them, and everything was narrow in the middle. And it, it, we just that's why we had to hit it long, straight up the middle of the pitch because yeah. there was no width at all. It's the only option we had. And, and as I say, that that gave the whole there was no team, out ball. No, there was no, no out ball, and it gave the whole team a defensive mindset. Yeah. Ollie, in all honesty, and it, Wally Gilead and and um, Campbell up front were just isolated. You know, mm. Campbell was more isolated a bit further up, but all three of them had very little support. You know, there was no interplay whatsoever during the game. So, yeah, it wasn't good. As I say, Burton finished the top on half. Um, we just talked about the ref before in terms of saying there were thirty nine fouls in the game, and the ref did break the game up. He made it a terrible watch, particularly in the second half, which we'll cover in a bit. Um, and sort of any light challenge, he gave a free kick for. Um, but he gave them for Shrewsbury players going down quite lightly as well. The difference was that Burton were just a bit cleverer at it again. Like, we keep saying this about teams, don't we? And we've said Ricketts has brought a little bit more street-wiseness into us, but on Saturday that wasn't really very evident. Um, and I think some fans thought the referee was unfair on us. But again, for me, I, I'm not too sure about that. I felt it was fairly... If it was slightly unfair, it was towards Burton. I think, you know, they, they probably got a little bit of a... Of a more free kicks than us, but I didn't. I didn't think it was anything deliberate. Or you couldn't really accuse him of being a cheat. Do you? Do you... I, I'm not a huge fan of bringing up referees' performances, no, good no. or bad, unless he's given them a, a stonewall penalty that wasn't. Mm. You know, it's the same ref for both teams, and there's 90 minutes in a game. You know that the referee doesn't impact the game that much. If he's giving silly fouls here and there, you just you deal with it. You get back in shape. You win the ball back, and you yeah. go again. I, I think. Certainly in his Pokes match, Ricketts' use of the referees being a reason why we had a bad game, it's just smoke and mirrors. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not, that's not the reason that we didn't get a result. <laughs> that is very true. Same at Bristol. You, know, you were there, Ollie. That wasn't the reason that we lost. The, you know, we drew that game. It was nothing, you know, the referee made a lot of mistakes. But... Yeah, there's plenty of time to, um, to kind of yeah, take, exactly. create chances and, and score goals, which um, yeah, from evidence of what, watching extended highlights and what you guys are saying so far, we didn't really, did we create any other clear chances in that first half? 
Nope, that was it. Well, I think we only had three shots on target in the whole game, Ollie, from looking at the stats today. And one of them no. was a last free kick, which we'll come to later on. So very, very poor in terms of chance creation again. Um, I, I think we might as well just whip through the rest of the second half. This was honestly, Ollie, got to be up there for dullest second halves we've watched this season. Yeah. Now, me, you and Mike have watched a lot of football between us. It was atrocious. And the worst thing about that is it was a... Was it a must-win? Just about borderline must win. We had to show something there to say, look, this is how we're going to get out of trouble. And to throw in a boring, stilted, um, disjointed performance out in the second half was unforgivable for me. Yeah, um, I, I can't argue with that at all. It's it's just so annoying that they can put in those performances against Wolves and those performances against Stoke, and yet they can't seem to pull any sort of enthusiasm or any sort of energy or mm. cohesion for what is, I think, was a must-win game. You know, it's the points are going to be few and far between now before now and the end of the season. It's a home game against a fellow team that's sort of down that end of the table. We had to get three points there, and mm. and, and to not be able to look up. And well, even worse than that, pass. Mike, that Burton have got nothing to play for. Exactly, yeah. they're not going to go down. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're not going to get into relegation fight. But it's very unlikely they're going to get into the playoffs now. Um, so they had nothing to kind of go for, and we can't even beat a team that have got nothing to fight for apart from their contracts. But, but how, how there's nobody out on the pitch screaming at their teammates enthusiastically? You've got Waterfall, who he seems to be obsessed with clapping. Oh, yeah, a huge fan of clapping <laughs> his own mistakes, it seems. And Norburn, who his communication seems slightly tinged with a bit of nastiness behind it, which wouldn't really encourage me if I was playing with him. Mm. But there's there's nobody. Saying, yeah, come on, let's try that again. You know, no, no, no enthusiastic encouragement. I would say no positive reinforcement. It all seems quite negative out there, and I, I, I just I, I lose my I lose my patience with it. Frankly, you'd love an Ian Sharps type player in his team. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's what he's missing, Ollie. And and the players we thought have been kind of leaders this season. Actually, I haven't, you know, when you think about a true club leader, we really, really have missed one, to be honest with you. And maybe a go-go wasn't that either last year, but it didn't really matter. We had a team that functioned. When you're mm. in trouble, you maybe need a leader more than a team who were doing all right. Do you not think? Well, I mean, you know, let's take the example of this this season's club captain, Lionel John Lewis. <laughs> the guy that shouldn't be playing anyway is somehow the captain of this mm, team. It's man. laughable, really. It's laughable. So... Second half, Ollie. Yeah, we had we did have one of our very few chances right at the start of the half where um, Wally sort of punted a long kick from sort of the halfway line in, and Bolton headed it wide. That was a good chance, that, actually. Um, Jamie mm. couldn't get it on target at least, yeah, but then they created chances second half. So they played a ball over the top. Um, it was just a simple straight ball, no no diagonal mm. at all. Be- Beckles was just left for dead by the striker, um, but luckily he managed to sort of recover and at least put him off enough to put it wide. He, I thought he did well to recover that. To be fair, he Beckles, did because yeah. he looked like he'd been left behind at one point. Um, and then we started to make the substitution, so everyone was crying out for a change of shape or something different first sub like for like Payne for Campbell Payne did nothing when he came on I don't even think he really touched the ball to be honest with you um, and Campbell was isolated after his goal and so there was a merit in taking him off but you couldn't really blame him you know playing in that system and, and playing with the way we were playing it was, it was harsh on him to be very critical of his performance mm. um, but there was no change of system which sort of got a bit of angst from the, from the crowd around me really um, and as I just said second half was ultra dull nothing happened we showed very little commitment or desire um, just a series of long, inaccurate, fo- uh, long balls, really, and it was just rubbish. Um, there was another one where Beckles missed a header in the box, and it flashed across goal again. The, the crowd got a little bit angry at that, and even Lewis Cox at that point, which is the first time I've seen it for a while, sort of tweeted about fan anger, and he doesn't often do that. So mm. um, that that was interesting. Um, Norburn got his usual booking. Mike, you love Norburn, don't you? He got his usual booking for just flying into someone. It, the the referee may as well book him on the first <laughs> as soon as he kick off. Just book Norburn because he's a walking booking. And to be honest with you, I don't mind that because it shows that he's. He's out there trying to put a tackle in, trying to make something happen. Now, I have a lot of issues with Norburn. I think how that guy is the record 
signing of this football club when the one that he beat was Grant Holt is it, it's, it's night and day. Right, it, does it doesn't feel right. You know, we should, you know, if we're paying more than we paid for Grant Holt, <laughs> we should be getting a better player in my mind. But I, I have, I do have a bit of sympathy with him after Saturday because they just spend so long trying to chase the ball mm. here, there, and everywhere. It's never played into their feet, and when it is, they look up. There's nobody offering for the ball at all. And so it has to go back to the centre-half, who then pumps it forward, and then they're back chasing if they're playing in the yep. centre of the park. But I think, for me, Norburn needs to worry less about what everybody else is doing, concentrate more on his own game, and just start trying to get the ball ticking over. Look after the ball. Like, we're not going to score without it, and we're not going to concede if we've got it. So mm. everybody just needs to try and look after the ball a bit more. And that's my frustration with Norburn, is that he, he tries to he often tries to force the game and it's not happening for him and that just turns over possession and, and he's no good without the ball and it's very true Ollie on Saturday we were very poor in possession the amount of loose passes and stray passes and passes straight out of play again just very poor and and, and that's because we're just I think it's because we're playing under pressure a, a bit of mm. it at the moment is is not just Norburn but everyone's trying to force it and get over this hump get that win and get the pressure off our backs and to be honest with you it's going to get worse if we can't yeah. find the wins and it's going to probably be worse football but yeah, not ideal. Um, it's not th- a happy camp at the moment, is it? Um, no, it doesn't seem really. right. It just no, doesn't yeah. seem like that's right. And it, I don't know. I'm not that I've heard any rumours, but it just doesn't feel like it feels like the kind of the kind of team that in a couple of years you can hear all these stories come out. And I don't know why. It's just there just doesn't seem something right. Not not trying to make up rumours or whatever, but just trying to understand no. how after so many games we just having the same problems. You look at that team last year. And how well they all clearly got on. They were a unit. They were all clearly really good friends. You don't all have to be best mates, though, do you, to have a decent working football team? And I'm yeah. sure the other 91 teams in the football structure aren't all best mates, but they do put in a performance and they know what they're doing. I, I just think that I, I think I think <laughs> if you can engender some sort of you know relationship and some bonding there where they actually like each other, you look at the, if you look at um, Carlton Morris and Dean Henderson, they're still tweeting each other now this season. You no, know, they're not in the same teams and things. And I just think that you look at our team when they come out they don't look like a group of people all pulling together in the same direction they look like 11 players out there to try and do 11 different things and yeah. I think that comes from perhaps if the team isn't gelled quite enough possibly well when, you, when you're in a bad spot you look after yourself don't you at yeah. the end of the day you've got to worry about what your future is going to be and you want to put your performance in and maybe sometimes it overrides what the team is trying to achieve but Ollie you're completely right to say that you know there is something that's just not right with, with this team and, and manager and, and everything that's gone on and um, I think we'll maybe have a little bit of a chat about that at the end but um, there's a few more things really to cover in the game I'd say nothing really happened I wanted to talk about subs we talked last week about making subs at set pieces and then conceding straight away and he did it twice in this game Mm. We could see, we did two subs, one on a corner, one on a free kick. Which a few people, even I was surprised, a few people around us were getting a bit miffed about that. It was like, why is he not learned his lesson? Um, which obviously, whether you agree or not, on that's a bad thing. It was interesting he did it twice again. So that was that. The last sub obviously was Faye for Gilead. Um, which, as I said, seventy eight minutes was way, way, way too late. You should have gone off long before that. But as I say, Faye didn't really get in the game. We weren't. We didn't really get him involved in that last spell too much. Um, but yeah, I, I'd have started like that personally. I would not have dropped Faye in a million years. And then we didn't even make the third substitution. Yeah. So we're, ch- we're chasing the game, Ollie. You know, a game that we really need those three points. We've got another option on the bench. We've got Sam Smith. We've got, you know, plenty of other, you know, we had a lot of attacking players on the bench, really, that could have just been thrown on to try and just change the course of the game, um, especially if all we were doing was punting it forward. And he didn't even make the third change. Couldn't get my head around that one. That's quite, you know, quite unusual for a manager not to throw the dice in that situation, Ollie. Yeah, I guess what was he going to bring on another defender with all those midfielders? So <laughs> his hands hands were a little bit tied. Um, I hope he can. Hopefully, he'll choose a much more positive 
um, formation and setup when he has those midfielders and it just so he gets even more frustrating I saw you were trying to bring a bit of humor to the fan base this afternoon Glenn seen um, Dave Edwards um, being on <laughs> Sky and god we we like you know we were we were really hopeful that him and Wally were going to be the guys that were kind of kind of drive this team forward yeah, and yeah. We, I, I think it'd be interesting to see what formation he played if he if he was fit. But it's just again, just just frustrating and Groundhog Day frustration. He was sitting in the Sky Studio. He's spent more more minutes in on TV for Sky this season than he has playing for us now. Mm. So that's slightly concerning, isn't it? And if it ends up being like that at the end of the season and he gets another niggle or something, I'll be pretty pretty disappointed with his return to the football club. But we did have one last chance to win it, which would have probably been a bit harsh on Burton, to be honest with you. But Wally had a late free kick. And he's put it straight at the goalkeeper. It was pretty much the last kick of the game. And honestly, Wally was back on set pieces, Ollie. And sometimes this season we've, we've praised him and his, his delivery. He, he really wasn't on it on Saturday. Every free kick and corner we had was pretty poor. We had, a, we had a corner in the second half where it went front post and, again, audible groans from everybody around us. Um, Which is odd because Norburn was taking them. Obviously, there's the famous yeah. FA Cup one yeah. and stuff. Again, just puzzling. It's just so this, puzzling. Was, this, this was my problem is that Norburn's corner and free kick delivery is better than Wallace, I think. Yeah, yeah, it, it, sure. He's shown that this season. And Ockham Beard smashed a direct free kick against Bradford. Stoke, against Bradford. Yep. And yet, now Wallace's back in the team, he's taking all the, the free yeah, kicks. So for, and, yeah, Ockham Beard's one at Bradford yeah. was superb, and, so why isn't he got, taking him? We've got we two guys in the team who proved this season that they're a step up. Doherty's also better, I think, than, than Wallace set pieces. They're too floaty... There's not enough whip. I don't know. Yeah, it's true. And he let he did let Campbell take one in the first half and hit it straight in the wall. Yeah. And then that after every other free kick after that, he just sent them away. I'm but uh, but again, I think that again that comes from the manager. We should have a designated set piece taker, a designated corner taker, a designated penalty taker. Well, it is. They... It seems to be Wally, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah. <laughs> but but th- that it chops and changes week by week is again is another thing that I I can't get my head around. No, so that, and that was it. Final whistle. As I said, there wasn't much booing. To be honest with you, yeah. it was it, and there wasn't much, and there wasn't any cheering either really Ollie it was as I said it was a very dispiriting crowd reaction and I think that as I say apathy um, to be honest with you if you've got apathy in a crowd it's probably more of a problem than anger at the end mm. of the day because at least if someone's passionate about it they'll keep fighting to the end but um, yeah not ideal um, and to be honest with you it was half empty again yep. a lot of people have gone early so you're starting to see that become a pattern really with fans this season in terms of watching some, some of these poor home performances but Ricketts then went around every stand clapping everybody um, making a real big song and dance about it, which is interesting compared to, to the ASCII situation. So he got a few claps off people, but a lot of people sort of stood there and just watched it. Um, I think this might <laughs> this might be the final proof that however much a manager claps doesn't really make a difference. Yeah, we've we've done this to death this season, and and that was it really. And and my my final summary on on the game really was I I didn't want to sort of listen to someone saying oh at least we didn't lose today. Um, for me, my overall view of that game was we were limp, ineffective, lacking bottle and lacking spine. Um, and then I put trouble this way comes big trouble. So there we go, Ollie. I think it's 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 not a not a good result, my friend. No, it's not, it's not good, is it? Um, and, yeah, <laughs> it was as much as that. We probably would have been happy with that kind of performance if we got the result. Yeah, um, but we I, got yeah, neither a performance nor a result, um, which just kind of yeah is very very frustrating. And yeah, against a team that again were not quite you know didn't have their um, their you know their shades in their um, and their. Their beach ball ready to go, but you know a team that are not really in anything. So it is concerning, and the same problems that we've been talking about all season persist. Yep. And on Burton, just our overall view of them, I, I thought they were a solid, hardworking team. Um, they were certainly better at the press than we were on Saturday, um, and they were they were better on the ball as well. They had two little short central midfielders um, who basically ran the central midfield in the game because they were given so much space because of how deep Norburn and Grant were. 
they were able to sort of you know play the passes around and, and kind of bring in their their defenders if they needed to. So that was good. But I still thought they were beatable. If we'd have put out any kind of team with a bit of spine and a, and a bit more you know drive and a plan, they were beatable. That was the frustrating thing about it. Um, yeah. And I meant got no, that Burton didn't seem to have to be that much better than us. To be no, better they than us. They, no. they had to run around a little bit more and they had to be slightly calmer on the ball. And and that's all that did it for them. That, that's all they had to do, and and just be able to head away about a hundred direct punts up the middle of the pitch. Yeah, and that's why I thought Buxton, the number three. Yeah, it was Buxton. Um, he was the man of the match for for Burton. To be honest, mm. he headed everything away and was decent on the ball. If you're a centre back who plays for Burton, you must relish playing for us because playing against us. Because I remember we would routinely give Darren Moore head in practice every time we played <laughs> yeah. against him. Then they had Branston playing at centre half for him. Yeah. We'd routinely smash it onto his head, and <laughs> this guy Buxton seems to be the new one. We just. I don't know what it is about Burton. We just bang it long to their centre half every time. And unsurprisingly, we have a terrible record against yeah, Burton. So go. maybe we'll learn the lesson one day, Ollie. But that was that was Burton really. In terms of our man of the match, I I wrote mine down earlier today, and Mike came round and I asked him what his were, and we came up with the same three. To be honest with you, and mm. I think it's probably what most people would have gone for. But we gave it Williams uh, man of the match, um, and then Wally second place, and Campbell third place, obviously for his well taken goal. We we should talk about Williams really for his for his sort of again you know home debut. I suppose it was, wasn't it really? Um, did he play against Luton? Can't remember now. No, no, he didn't um, play against Luton. No, it's so, his debuts against yeah, the Bristol Rovers Bristol, away. That was it. Yeah, and he was really solid and dependable, Ollie. You know, he didn't really look like he'd made any mistakes in the game when you were watching Beckles and Waterfall falling over or getting pulled out of position. He seemed to always be in the right place. He he sort of covered some of their mistakes. He covered he, covered a goal ball mistake once I saw. Did an amazing so um, slide tackle to stop them um, getting yes. a chance on goal, which I thought was yeah. fantastic. He looked, he looked a little raw at times and like he needs somebody next to him with a bit more experience, say, I don't know, who can I think of? Perhaps a Matt Sadler would be useful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, he gets he got my man of the match by virtue of playing his second ever professional game of football and being decent. You know, yeah. it's, it didn't take much on Saturday to get that, but he looks like a good a good prospect, you know. He, yeah. he comes with good pedigree from Man United, so I think... I think he's well deserving of that, yeah. Um, and Wally, we should say, we you know we gave second place to Wally because anyone that went to that game will tell you that Wally's energy and drive is something that mm. needs to be replicated across the other ten players in the team. He's ke- he's clearly still carrying out the Paul Hurst high press, yeah, and he and he he runs himself into the ground to press, and he turns round, nobody's come with him. Mm. Last season, a go go would have been with him, Godfrey would have been with him. And he's working on a different level to everybody else. And that was what um, Stuart Dunn kept um, going, referring to. And that's why I was asking you about the wing-backs. They kept saying, basically, yeah, the, the front three were very, very isolated and on their own. And, you know, you're not going to win a game with just three players trying to score a goal. No, no, no. So, we, obviously, we've given our slightly negative review of where we're at at the moment. But did you find any positivity in the three-word match reports, Ollie? <laughs> yeah, I was a little bit cheeky. I don't know if you've seen the picture I posted. <laughs> um, I posted a Ricketts picture of Sam Ricketts clapping the fans. Um, <laughs> Um, so yeah, so what did the fans have to say? Um, so yeah, it was um, yeah. Dale was said it's a long ball, long ball bore fest. Mm. Um, hoof, hoof, hoof from Terry Jones. Um, Guy Smith of words fail me. Um, busy with bored to tears, which says a lot. Yeah. If you know this guy who's absolutely salad for um, through and through. Yeah, um, Clive with going down fast, not good enough. Yeah, getting worse. Long ball passing was poor. And then a guy called um, um, Glenn Young posted six three-word match reports, so I thought I'd have to kind of choose one of them. So he put, yeah, he said nearly fell asleep, so I'll choose yeah. that one. So fans are not happy, and we're seeing the kind of the angst and the kind of the frustration among fans um, becoming more evident every week, and the the kind of the discussion and the debating and kind of the the sheer frustration um, from mm. the fans is is becoming you know um, ever more, um, and it's not surprising. You know we're we're now. You know, we are now 33 um, games, 32 games, sorry, we've played into the season. 
and it still feels like we're coming out of pre-season. <laughs> well, we certainly don't know our best team, and the worst thing about it is Sam Rickis doesn't know his best team at all. Which is a really funny point, actually, because someone asked a question on um, Twitter, Glenn, is that obviously you do the football manager stats, and yes. what would you put as our, pref- our preferred formation at the moment? Well, I had to do it in January, and I was I couldn't... I couldn't really do it. At the point in time we were playing with the five at the back, I think it was around about when we played Stoke. So I think I went, it looked like we stuck with that. But I think you can, on Football Manager in the database, you can put four or five different tactics in there and you can give them sort of a rating of which is preferred. And I think I put three in, all with a very similar rating because the, the database will then will pick one of them, you know, and it doesn't really mm. necessitate anything. But it is so difficult to work out who should be playing where, what tactics we should be playing, what would be the best. You know, we're not coaches, so how are we how are we to judge what's the best way to get out of this problem but you're right to say that some people are starting to suggest and this is a terrible situation to be back in that the best way to get out of this problem is to change the manager again so i think we'll come to that it's out news because there's definitely a, a discussion to start having and i can't believe we're going back there but we'll come to that in a minute i think let's just wrap up the game ollie with looking at his post-match reaction because even that got some negative feedback yeah it was i think i think um listening to the whole thing i think he is He's got to say something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think there's that. Um, he's got to say something, and I think also he doesn't want to, you know, um, you know, be having assassination of the players in the press. But here we go. What did he have to say? So there's a point. Another game unbeaten. A good performance. Some really good signs. Um, <laughs> expected, expected Burton to play, and the plan was to play on the counter. Um, at times it worked well, but at times we couldn't put the pressure on. Um, Burton was slowly, um, slowly, were basically slowing the game down and trying to get a draw. And we were trying to, you know, they were getting balls in the box, and we have to defend better. Our two centre halves end up on the floor, so he's clearly not happy with the performance of the defence um, on shouldn't, that goal. Shouldn't have changed it round him, hey. Yeah, he said, did did you do enough to win, which was a question. He said, probably not. Uh, we're hoping for a bit of magic at the end. A draw is probably a fair result. Um, Campbell off through his work where he's yet to get some fresh legs on. And then he goes on to mention that there was um, four, um, four central defenders, four central midfielders, sorry, out. Um, and then he said that Gillian was excellent, which I guess is probably <laughs> just, again, a bit of a confidence thing. And he said that Faye was rested as well. So lots mm. of, um, yeah, more, again, as this season is just a, a, que- a season of questions rather than answers. Yeah, I, of all that, I mean, I, he's got to say something. And, I, and I've seen lots of people criticising various elements of that, particularly this, the statement that it was a good performance. I mean, you know, you could have said it was a good point, maybe. Uh, you might have got away with that. To say it was a good performance doesn't doesn't really wash Respect with me. Respect the point, Respect. as um, a wise man once said. <laughs> might a, go down with just points, though. Yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of there's a lot of um, I don't know. There's a lot of the feel of the Mickey Mellon end of the Mickey Mellon yeah. era, the era at the moment, which is worrying me. But t- the thing that made my floor, uh, my jaw at the floor when I got home, I put the radio on, I heard him saying Gilead was excellent. I was just like, I can understand why you got to back your players, but clearly there's nobody who watched that game is going to believe that he really thinks that. Yeah. So um, there we go. But at the end of the day, yeah, he's, he's got to say something, hasn't he? And um, at the moment, when you're not winning, you know, you're winning one in twelve. People are going to start picking things on that. So. That was it. We got a point. It put us in twenty seconds, still, isn't it? So we didn't really move in the league. So it's it's another home game wasted. Um, and now we've got two tricky games coming up, which we'll get to now. So I think we'll leave the game there. Obviously, no one's particularly happy about it, and we'll move on to setup news. It's another good delivery, and it's a second goal. Luke Waterfall is claiming the final touch, and Shrewsbury on the verge. Of an almighty FA Cup upset. So, up news this week. There's not really any news that's happened this week, but I think, as we've sort of alluded to through the sort of review of the game, it's starting to get to the point where 
there are calls out there for, for Ricketts to go. You know, they're very small in nature, but I, I wouldn't have thought we would ever get to a point this season where we'd have anybody calling for Ricketts to go. You just you just think at this football club, it, it's not a, a club that's going to sack two managers in the season. But one win in 12, and, and the way the performances are heading, potentially getting worse, it's starting to make people question it. And I think there's, there's two questions about it. There's the question about Ricketts as a manager, and there's the question about the football club. So I think one of the things that I found interesting, we had quite a lot of correspondence on this, but one of them stood out to me, which was from uh, a guest of the podcast before, Rob Fox, who said, who was very clear, you know, he sent us a message saying, I don't mind if you want to read this out as some context to your discussion. So he said, Sam Ricketts needs to go now, and Coyne and Ramsey need to be caretaker charge at the end of the season. Then the club can try and get the next permanent manager done correctly. I don't care that Ronan Witchley has to pay compensation. There should be enough money invested anyway. Staying up is imperative. To go down when the club is at its strongest financial well-being in my lifetime is totally unacceptable and outrageous. Now, there's a lot of things in there that sound incredibly fair. You know, whether you're thinking about sacking a manager or not, I think that last line in terms of how rich we are as a football club compared to how we've always been and we're still struggling to avoid a relegation is is an incredibly fair point. Um, But for me, we we are going to have to have our first conversation on this podcast, Ollie, of... Are we close to talking about Ricketts' job being under threat? And I wanted to ask you two, really, your thoughts on where he is now and how vulnerable he is becoming with the fans and the board. So, I don't know, Mike, what are your initial thoughts, really, about where we're at with Ricketts? Um, I, th- I think he he's, he's a bit lost, and I think his mm. inexperience is showing. I think um, there was a lot of people who questioned us employing a manager who'd managed something like... 20 games. 20, yeah, 20 yeah. games. So inexperienced at two levels lower than we are now. So... He was coming into a, a crisis situation, or nearly a crisis situation yeah. under ASCII, where we were on the brink of going down. Um, and it was a huge gamble. It's clearly not paid off. But, like Glyn said, I think we either stay up with him or we go down with him. Because this Roland is not going to sack another manager. There's, there's no chance it's going to happen. The only, ma- the only way I would accept that happening anyway would be as if we were going to employ Paul Hurst, who I absolutely Ooh. said I would not have back. But, do you know what? He's the only guy I can see getting this. Because he knows some of the players at the club... He knows some of the staff. Otherwise, you've got to have a brand new person in with brand new ideas, learning all the players with mm. what we got left. 13 games, is it? Something like that? It's, it's, it's too late in the day. So I think Ricketts either keeps us up or takes us down. Um, but either way, it's, 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 not the right, it's not the right recruitment that we've done, bringing him in, clearly. No. Um, I, I sat there on Saturday and because I was so bored, I thought to myself, <laughs> what is the plan here? I'm sitting in the stands. He's got 11 people on the pitch. What am I seeing? What are they trying to do? Mm. And I, I couldn't work it out from system, from personnel, <clears throat> from just the approach they were trying to take. You know, last season you would see a Paul Hurst team would hit quickly. Henderson would release the ball quickly. We'd, we'd try and play through a, a team before they got to set in their two lines of four. There would be a high press when they had the ball. We'd win it back quickly and we'd play on the counter sometimes. And you knew what they were doing. Wally and Rodman played on opposite wings so they could cut in and shoot. But I, I can't tell you what any of those players out there were trying to do on Saturday. Yeah. And, and I got to the point where I was looking, I was saying, well, even, even Arnold, who people are saying is having a good season, he's so slow to release the ball <laughs> that by the time we've got the... Well, by the time he looks to get rid of it, everybody's marked. Burton is set in their two lines of four. So he has to punt it long and we yeah. give the ball away immediately. We never look after the ball. And if Ricketts I can't get them doing the basics... And basics are what it's all about. I arrived at Glyn's house today and his wife gave me a, a cup of tea and a mug that says on it, how to play football. <laughs> yeah. And it's got written on it some very basic things. Eliminate the sweeper. Composure and pressure. <laughs> play forward. Like, None of those things not, are happening. No, this is written on a mug in Glyn's kitchen. If, the, <laughs> if, if we're not doing these at a professional football club, we're really in trouble. So going back to the question of Ricketts, um, I think he just needs to pick a formation 
and just stick with it. He needs to pick his personnel and stick with it and say, this is what I'm doing for six games. Let's try and get some consistency. Mm, that's a shame. Let's, try and, let's try and get something to build on here. And it'll either t- keep us up or, or take us down, but he's got to do one. Mm, yeah, and just yeah, I, I don't know what what be well. I mean, you know, it, it's an interesting just debate between his 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 performance with the fans, his performance with the board. I mean, obviously, no one's going to be particularly happy with the performance. Full stop. But do, can you conceive any chance, Ollie, of the fans turning so much that Roland would sack him again? No, so, sorry, sack a manager again. No, it's not. We're not going to be sacking Ricketts. I don't think at this point. Mm. I don't think. I think he'll be the manager till the end of the season, or unless we get relegated, maybe we let him go. Got one or two games to go for that. For, for done and to Mike Jacks, to Mike yeah. Jackson situation in it, Ollie. Yeah. So for me, the trouble is, is that you know, one one win in twelve is is atrocious. Um, forget about the FA Cup. Um, those wins, you know, one in one in twelve is terrible. Um, to Mike's point, it doesn't look like we're going anywhere. I will give him the slight benefit of like you know a bit of a bit of let off for this weekend and that we wouldn't have that many central midfielders fit um and we couldn't play you know a different formation potentially than the one we did but you know the formation that we played um didn't work um, by all by all sounds of things it's it's very frustrating isn't it it doesn't it doesn't feel like we've got a plan and we haven't got anything that resembles a team at the moment i completely agree with mike's point that we need to pick a formation um that best suits the the team um, and then try and have a really settled, you know, first nine, ten players, and just then make very little changes after that. And we need to get consistency. And until we get a consistent team, is we're not, we can't really expect to have a consistent performances. Um, yeah. And I really like Rob's point actually about you know us being in this kind of really strong financial place. Place, yep. Because you know, we in terms of not just in terms of financial place, but in terms of setup. You know, we've never had a, t- a, f- a club has never had a tr- proper training ground before. You know, we talk over here about, you know, the training ground, sorry, the training ground and the changing rooms and the stadium. And OK, the pitch isn't amazing. It's not like a Premier League standard, but, you know, it's it's better than the game meadow was when it used to get flooded and covered in sand. So, you know, yep. we're given the players, um, the club are given the management team and the players an amazing platform to play on and it's just it's just dire and yeah it's you know when you're getting fans like busy saying he's bored to tears and the guy's absolutely obsessed with football and the town it says it just tells you how how long it is and there was a, a three words match report just came through from holly saying that basically she's kind of like losing any faith um, mm. and that's where we are at the moment i think that's where the fans you know the fans you know we're not going to be able to sack the players at this time we're not can't sign anyone else and it is really surprising. You, I can't remember a season in my lifetime, Sporting Shrewsbury, where we're talking about sacking a manager for a second time in a season. And and some people, you know, it starts then kind of creating real kind of polar opposites among the fan base. Yep. Yeah, and, yeah. and you can't blame the fans that those the same need to get the manager in and saying get Paul Hurst in. Now, it's very, very, very unlikely to happen. But the reason they're saying is, one, Paul Hurst came in and performed miracles. And secondly... Ricketts has won one league game in December, which is just appalling. Friday, we're recording this on Sunday night. Friday this week coming up is two calendar months since we won a game in the Football League. Two months. You know what? Which includes Christmas and January. We're playing games. Yeah, we were playing a huge number of games. It's just not good enough. And that's why, you know, the, the Ricketts must be under a lot of pressure and he's doing a good job of kind of conducting himself in the press. Um, mm. but, but he is under a lot under. of pressure and we need yeah. to get some results soon. But the way we are performing in recent weeks, um, apart from when the players um, are under the cameras and got scouts watching them, they didn't seem to um, be able to put a performance in. What? I mean, 
to, to play devil's advocate here, with the, the conversation you're asking us to have is about Ricketts' position at the club, what pressure Ricketts is under. But this means that the playing staff on the pitch skate a lot of responsibility for where we're at because mm. they've underperformed for Askey, they're underperforming for Ricketts. And you've got to question the, the personalities that we've got in that dressing room. Are they the kind of people that are going to stand up and much like Glenn said in the podcast of the week, put their balls on the line yep. and fight for this football club? Because I, I sit there and I think to myself, you know, there are experienced footballers out there who could who could who could pull something together, who could lead a team, you know, there's some young players out there, some experienced players out there, and there are people we need to step up and it's just not happening. I think Ricketts might be putting all the work in in training. He might be giving them a very, very clear direction of what to do. He might be giving them really, really clear instruction about how to perform his game plan. And they might be going under there, out there and under the pressure, reverting to type, going back to doing whatever they want. And we might be looking at a guy who's actually doing all the things we're asking of him and the, and the players are simply not carrying it out. And the worst thing about it all is he's lamented not having a whole week to train them on the training pitch, hasn't he, You know, during this busy period with the cup runs. He had a whole week to train them this week and what he turned out for us to watch on Saturday was lifeless you know there didn't seem to be a plan what have they worked on all week you know what was what was that plan it just didn't seem to be there and you know there's, 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 there's a myriad of things to pick about pick apart from the situation we're in at the moment and Mike's right to pick out the players need to take responsibility you know we've talked about Ricketts and the manager and Askey taking responsibility you know we've we've also got to look at the hierarchy at the football club and we, we really need to have a big discussion about recruitment and whether it's what we're doing with managers is the right approach because you know, Brian's going to take a lot of flack at the end of the season for what's happened, regardless of bringing these two managers in. Regardless of what way it ends up happening, really, he's, he's probably going to take it. But it shouldn't just be Brian. There should be a lot of focus upon the chairman of this football club, because at the end of the day, there can't be anyone that really thinks that Brian just makes every decision and signs everything off. The, the chairman has overseen bringing both of these managers in just as much as Brian would have done. And at the end of the day, they between them look to have got it wrong possibly twice. Um, and, and so, you know... There's a myriad of ways to look at the issues that we're facing at the moment. At the end of the day, though, we're only really going to focus at the moment on the podcast, on what's going on on the pitch, and that does like the, the, the picture, the manager and the players. But really, we've taken a step back. I feel really frustrated about it because I feel like this football club, off the pitch, like you were just saying then, Ollie, has taken huge strides forward in the last year and a half. Training grounds, more stuff for the fans, you know, fan zones being established. Getting the safe standing in, you know, this is all brilliant, positive stuff for the football club. But I, I would feel so hollow about it if we got relegated. Mm, I think, the what's the point for us back in League Two? We want to watch good, winning football in a higher level as possible. And and to let it go, to get relegated this season, will be a, a travesty. And I'm, I, I'm praying to God that we turn it around. Mm. Um, but it's an interesting conversation to have, and we're probably going to keep revisiting if we don't win. And for me, you two have said you don't see a seat sacking Ricketts. I, I can't. Oh my God! I, can you imagine if we lose the next three? It'll be so toxic. What, what's it going to be like going to watch Shrewsbury Town in that situation? No one, we've almost certainly ballsed it up completely and most people have probably at that point fallen out of faith with Ricketts. It's going to be horrible. I'll be a lot drunker probably. <laughs> it's it be, is though, Ollie. It's going to be horrible and, and oh. that's where we're headed in the moment. I, I, you know, after Bristol Rovers, I had this glimmer of hope that, you know, that, that team that we saw, there was something, but we, yeah, we seem to have lost that mm. now and, yeah, mm. obviously Doherty being out, Edwards being suspended and we haven't mentioned the fact that obviously the, and we didn't get his um, suspension overturned um, so his red has been upheld. Um, yeah. yeah, it's um, it's very concerning at the moment. And looking ahead, um, next we're playing Peterborough, yeah. um, who are on the edge of the playoffs, so they're just one place out of the playoffs. And the last few, their results, obviously they sacked, um, they sacked Evans, um, so their results haven't been great. But <laughs> luckily us, they got a, a, a 1-0 win away at Oxford um, yeah. after a few games of not winning to pick to get Ivan Tony scored for them. And, yeah, Peterborough away next week is um, is a huge, huge game again, and I think we're going to be saying that every single game now until we either pick up a win and start doing something, or 
yeah, just kind of peter out. And if we go down, it's going to be, um, it's just going to be a damp squid the entire season, hasn't it? We've been waiting for mm. something, um, and it just hasn't turned up. And we'll predict Peter scores in a minute. And, and I'm going to be honest about how I feel right now after watching that yesterday. And I've spent a lot of money over this Christmas period with the cup games, with pretty much going to all the away games recently. I, I really, really feel like I need a break on Saturday. And that's a terrible thing as a really passionate football fan. As you know, Michael will agree with me. I, I want to go to pretty much every game, don't I? You know, you've got small kids. It's not so difficult, easy for you anymore. But my kids are older. I take them. I love going. I, I really, really... Not, I'm really fearing that drive to Peterborough next week, and it's. I know football can be surprising, and we go there and get a win, and I'd be absolutely buzzing. But quite honestly, I don't know if you're going to go, but I might just just plead the fifth on this one and take a week off. In all honesty, I think you deserve a, a football vacation. Mate. <laughs> I think I might. Yeah, I might. I might. I might just rest on that. So even if I am there or if I'm not there, I don't know yet. But I, I, I can't see us winning. Um, and I'm after having watched that Saturday, I think it'll probably be two 0 to Peterborough. Okay, I was going to go for a one or draw. Uh, okay. Peter been very very inconsistent, mm. um, and yeah, um, I, I, you know it's not a happy place at Peter River at the moment. So yeah, I'm going to go for one or draw. Another point just to be more frustrating. Yeah, brave with our away form that Ollie. What about you, Mike? Uh, we're going to lose three one. We don't seem to struggle scoring one goal. <laughs> well, we can't keep the ball out the net, so we're going to lose three one. Oh dear. And and in terms of Peter afterwards, we'll, we'll wrap the podcast up now. But the run, the next run is very interesting. Obviously, Peterborough away is a very hard game. Doncaster at home. I just watched Doncaster Palace today on the on the BBC Cup game. Doncaster are a very capable team, Ollie. You know they are not yeah. going to come to Shrewsbury and roll over. They, they'll be more up for it than Burton were, and, and they look better than Burton. You know, in, in terms of probably what I've seen this season. So that's not an easy game. And then the crunch one for me. And this is where I still think, at the back of my mind, there's a very very big chance that Ricketts could get himself into serious bother. Is Wimbledon at home, mm. bottom of the league. They're still going to be bottom of the league by the time we play them, in all honesty, unless we lose two and they win two. If if they come to Shrewsbury and beat us, Ollie, that would be terminal, I think, for our chances of staying I think up. Be, so, the word toxic comes to mind at the end yeah. of that game if we lose that. And then we've got Rochdale the week after that, who are in a relegation fight as well. So yeah, yeah. Um, oh, it's going man. to get tasty in, uh, um, as we get into March. Those look like the two games. If it's going to be somewhere we're going to save ourselves, Rimbledon and Rochdale back to back have got to be wins, haven't they? And, and then you might think, right, we've got a chance. But... And then we've got Plymouth, Argyle, <sighs> Wickham, and then unfortunately we've got Portsmouth, um, and which obviously could be a very difficult game. But yeah, we've got quite a few. We've got five, kind mm-hmm. of four, five fixtures, four fixtures there, which are relegation, um, um, six pointers, which are going yeah, to you... define our season. And the Warsaw game last day of the season looms large on the horizon as well. That's got the potential oh, to be man. all sorts imagine, of... <laughs> imagine them relegating us. Oh, or imagine us relegating them, I suppose. It still could be a possibility, couldn't it? Who knows? But it doesn't seems work like that. that. Warsaw always seems to get one on over us, though, don't they? Yeah. Our, our record started to slowly improve in the last sort of three or four against them. But, yeah, they seem to have a bit of an Indian sign over us in our generation, don't they? But... There we go. Oh, it's been a it's been a struggle this week, Ollie. Um, so yeah, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thanks to Mike for joining us again, and uh, it's always good to have my, my brother over to right right the wrongs of what's gone on, I suppose, yeah. Mike. But um, I think I think before you finish, you and Ollie should both try and pick a positive. <laughs> Let's think of a positive each to go out on. Uh, Tyrese Campbell looks all right, and so does Williams. I think in terms of bringing in players that could potentially start to turn it on and be special, that might be the thing that saves us. I think we're, we're going to have to bet, we're going to have to put a lot of our bet on them too. What about you, Ollie? What's your positive? I think my positive is going to be Faye. You know, he's, okay. he's, he's scored goals all season. Um, and hopefully we can get maybe a, a team and a setup where he can start scoring some goals again. Um, so that's my positive. I guess my other kind of positive as well is um, obviously last week 
Um, I, for those who have listened, I did a podcast with Brian Cordwell about transfers, yes, yeah. um, which has gone down really well. We've had a lot of listens to that. And yeah, it was good for Brian. It was good of Brian to kind of share with us kind of how transfers are done at Shrewsbury Town. So if you haven't listened to that, yeah, please do give it a listen. Any questions um, that you want to ask, please share it with Glenn and I. Um, and Brian's have more than happy to have another session. And yeah, maybe Brian, um, so maybe at the end of the season, Glenn, we can have another catch up with him and ask him some questions, maybe about recruitment and managers and all sorts. <laughs> but um, I think it'd be, you know, he's always happy to answer those questions. And yeah, I think most people will say, yeah, he's um, he's quite honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, you did the interview, Ollie, and uh, I, you know, I was I wasn't part of it. I was at the sports parliament meeting that night, and we sort of met in the, the foyer as you were going out, and I was going in, wasn't I? And uh, as as an independent view of that podcast, I thought you did fantastic, Ollie, and it was a lot of good insights. And you're right, it's broken all our records. It's had over two one thousand two hundred listens in in less than a week, which is magic for us to be honest with you. And I've noticed that a lot of the sort of wider football community we sort of put out there to you know League One podcasts and League One sort of websites and stuff, and they've picked up on it as well. So yeah, you deserve a lot of credit for that, Ollie. Actually, and and it's 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 good as as a, as a co-host. You've you've aided our podcast no end there, so well cool. done. And yeah, apparently I said cool a lot, and Becky's been giving me yes. a lot of ribbon for saying cool all the time. But yeah, sometimes I wasn't quite sure what to say because um, he yeah he went talked for quite yeah anyway yeah it was good it was a good podcast and big big thanks for Brian for doing that and yeah maybe we can do more um, kind of um, specials like that uh, maybe players yeah. ex players and things like that so yeah lots of Grandison people, yeah well you want to do a Grandison special I'm not sure if you'll be able to do it though Glenn I think you might need a minder to kind of. <laughs> The restraining order's still out, yeah. There we go. All right. Let's wrap it up there anyway. Thanks, everyone, for listening this week. Hopefully we are back, regardless of whether who goes to the game or what's gone on this week. Let's just pray for a win, really, because at the end of the day, we're all town fans and we just do not want to go to League 2. So, fingers crossed for next week against Peterborough. Um, hope everyone has a good week and we'll catch you next Sunday. Cool. Cheers, guys. Oh,